How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshays. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good, Wendy. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good. I'm always happy when I get to see you and your smiling face. Oh, thanks. You're I always welcome. like hearing that. It usually, yeah. uh, lately, I've been getting a lot of uh, compliments, not about my smiling face, but mostly about my choice of like shirts. <laughs> They're usually pretty bright and like people I've gotten like random ones, especially after going to uh, the conference I was at last week where everyone was in kind of the corporate financial advisor gear where it's like gray suit, blue shirt, gray pants. And they're like, man, I like your shirt. I like your yeah. shirt. I'm like, well, you could wear it too. Just break the mold a little bit. and You'll be fine. But so people like that shirt, the one that looks like a driveway. Well, that's when you get run over, you know, uh, <laughs> that's when they run you over for something you said 15 years ago. But <laughs> yeah. Usually it's my like my uh it's my uh, a little bit flowery, so colorful ones usually get some good good compliments. On oh, from back here it looks like just like you know spotted. It doesn't look flowery. Oh, this is flower. Yeah, this oh. is flower. Purple and white flowers with a little green vine work in there. Oh well I I I, I apologize. I, I love it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> We have a guest. Let me get we myself do. out of the doghouse. <laughs> we have an illustrious guest. Uh, this is Dr. Jeff Brenner. Uh, he's actually a client of Cook Wealth, and so he's not being compensated for anything he says here. He's going to just tell his experience as, as kind of his pra- his experience as a dentist, as a practice owner, or someone who bought practice, and we'll talk through all that. He's a good guy. He's married, has a, a beautiful little baby girl. Uh, and so, Jeff, why don't you give us a little of your story, like how you got into where you are today and We'll just kind of go from there. Wow. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me, uh, Jason. I also like your shirt. I think that. See, I, see, someone I said they like pajamas it. every day. So <laughs> it's nice to have a little variety um, to work. But uh, so I'm a fairly newish dentist. Graduated dental school six years ago. Um, spent the beginning of my career kind of bouncing around a little bit from office to office with various associateships, kind of figuring out what areas of dentistry I liked. Um, what areas of dentistry I didn't like and kind of where I saw myself um, in the dental world. Um, one of the really cool things about the dental profession is that you can kind of go a lot of different varieties. If you want to be a business owner and go down that route, you can. If you just want to work for someone and be, you know, all clinical, um, you can do that. You can teach. And so for me, it was, you know, spending those first few years trying to figure out what I wanted to do ultimately and then figure out kind of how to get there. Um, and I ended up probably, I guess it was three years into practice, kind of really deciding, hey, I, I want to be a business owner and I want to go down the route of ownership. And then it was finding the right practice, figuring out whether after I thought it was the right practice, whether it really was a, a good purchase and a, a good practice to move forward with. And then ultimately figuring out how to navigate that process. Then you have to figure out how to be a business owner, uh, which is uh, something that nobody teaches you how to do. Um, it's an o- its own thing, like being an owner, right? You can hear about, it, you can see stuff on TV, but actually being in the trenches is a very different scenario. Very, very different, and something that 
you know, I would say I was kind of wildly underprepared for, but I have a lot of colleagues and friends who had done it and kind of had similar sentiments where they don't really teach you how to do it. And you just kind of figure it out as you go along. But if you assemble the right team and you have people um, that you can rely on and help with has really, at least for me, been, you know, kind of dramatic. Well, and and we've done an, another episode. If you're listening to this and want to get some more of this content, go to look at episode eight. We actually talked about buying a dental practice with an attorney, uh, Rob Montgomery, who's actually also in the Philadelphia area. And so when you were in dental school, like what's the buildup? Like what, what were you experiencing like from your professors and instructors? Were they say, oh yeah, this is what you need to do? Or is it really clinical focused primarily? How did even the concept of business, did it really ever morph its way into dental school? So that's a good question. The majority of dental school is clinical. You know, in my opinion, it probably should be a little longer for all that really needs to be covered as comprehensively as it should be covered. There are business courses that they do that are mandatory and part of the curriculum. They barely scratch the surface if you really. And, you know, the other part of it is, is when you're in dental school, a, you're young, and B, maybe you don't necessarily see yourself in that role, and C, you're tired and overwhelmed with the clinical stuff. So yes, this information is sort of available, and they bring people in who have done it, and I'm sure going back, if I could talk to these people right as I was maybe in this process, I'd have a ton of questions and find it much more valuable, but mm-hmm. you know, at that time, it didn't feel that valuable or that pertinent based on the other stuff that was just kind of right in front of us kind of clinically. So it was there, but it wasn't as detailed as it needed to be or could have been. Um, but there's only so many hours in the day. Well, and where you were in life too, that's not necessary. You were not in the best, whether you had the time or not, mentally not in the right place to like 100%. fully accept the information. And go, oh yeah, this is what I'll do with this. And and I'll, I'll make good use of the information. You could have heard me. Like, yeah, I heard that 10 years ago and I did not hear it then because I was more worried about yeah, I have to worry about passing boards and yep. you know finding jobs and the the direct clinical care that you that you're providing, um, which at the time was just you know kind of more prevalent, and more pressing for my attention. So, what was the trigger point that said, "Okay, I want to look at buying a practice for you"? Well, for me, I think that I knew a as an associate where I was working at the time. I kind of hit a ceiling as to professionally the type of dentistry that I was doing, what I was able to do. Some of it for me was control. I wanted to do things my way. You know, when you work for someone, although as a dentist, I have a lot of autonomy with what I do, but there's still systems in place. And for me, I wanted my own system and I wanted to be Mm -hmm. able to do it my way. I wanted to be able to use the materials I wanted to use and do the dentistry that I wanted to do. Um, So ultimately, I knew that the only path to that um, would be to have my own office. Um, And then part of it was just control of my own schedule and how I wanted to work and where. And although at the time I was interested in finding my own office, I wasn't even looking. I was one of those people that got very lucky and the right practice kind of fell into my life. And I met a wonderful dentist who was looking to retire and transition out. And he said, Hey, you really should look at my office. And I did, you know, and then I got hooked up with that, with an attorney. I got hooked up with you. Um, and between the two of you, we really kind of dove into what some of the numbers look like and whether or not on the surface, it looked like a great office and maybe would be a good fit for me clinically, but whether or not this was the right business to buy from a bit purely financial business perspective was the area that I really couldn't 
gauge myself, which is why I ended up kind of getting in touch with you mm-hmm. um, as a major resource to help kind of guide that one way or the other. So what was the thing that if you can look back, kind of let's get the way back machine and look back at that period of time, there's a lot going on. I mean, I remember you've got valuations being thrown at you and financials and purchase agreements and things like that. What was the the biggest pain point that where you were feeling that you're going, man, I just don't get this. And this is like, I could not solo this myself and DYI it. I think for me, it was more, hey, they gave us, you know, all these balance sheets, these P&Ls, and then it was really combing through to know, you know, there's a lot of information out on the internet. There's a lot of podcasts and a lot of things that resource-wise today is a huge advantage. So I sort of knew that the number he was asking for was reasonable within a range of what it should be based on Mm -hmm. collections and kind of those magic numbers, at least back then. But then knowing that, his revenue numbers were as I'm going to use the word honest, but you know, there's a lot you can do with a small business. And so for me combing through and to make sure that the office was doing things on the up and up and that these numbers were true numbers and there wasn't anything kind of funky going on, you know, that's not what I do. I know basic accounting from high school business classes, Mm -hmm. you know, or almost 200 years ago. And so, you know, it's, for me, really combing through and saying, hey, everything was as he said it was, and he's a wonderful person, but, you know, you can only trust people so much for mm-hmm. this type of, you know, what, what I would consider life-changing, you know, probably the most expensive thing I'll ever purchase in my life, other than my wife. Uh-huh. Um, we can that, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, for me, it was just making sure that the financials were right. Well, and and this is not something you can return, right? This was not like, uh, you know, a lemon lot car. This is not uh, something that is easy to just say, ah, it didn't go so good. I'll just move on with my life. And it's uh, I got a lot of dynamics to it. I mean, that's the thing about being a business is that it'd be one thing if it was a business that you'd made that was only you that only, and you never had to deal with people. Like it makes me think of the movie Office Space. Like what's wrong with you people? Like there's a lot of dynamicism that happens, right? You got employees. That's got its own dynamic. You've got vendors you have to work with. You have patients. You have uh, just generally running a business and the stuff that has to happen. And that's a lot. And if you came out of any, I'd say whether it's dental school, uh, law school, law school, you may have more understanding of like some of the legals ins and outs, but like maybe not the other pieces. It's You're not prepared to do that just out the gate. It's it's really um, business ownership is not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. No, and it's a lot of learn as you go. But that's why it was so important to me to assemble kind of the right team of these people. A, I could trust and rely on that were accessible, you know, and that was one of the things I liked most about you was, you know, I could pick up the phone and either get you or you were returning calls and emails very quickly. This process as dragged as drawn out as it felt, and it was months and months and months. It was that last two weeks where it's like the you're you're cramming everything in to try to get this finished and everything signed and sealed and everything else. Um, so you know you guys are amazing for that. Well, and and that's a lot of stress because usually the process is not is one of these like hurry up and wait kind of situations. So it's oh the bank needs blah and they they give you give that two months before closing and then they they go dark until like two weeks before. Then it's like oh here is the packet that you have to sign all the loan documents and, oh, here's the blood oath for your firstborn child and all these things. And it comes and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, here are the keys. 
and a large wire goes through and suddenly a debt appears in your life that you didn't have before. And you're like, wow, now I have to do something with this. And there's a, a moment of like, I think I did the right thing still, but I'm really scared. And there's still, I've got, now I got to own up to it. And then you get into it and you're, you're okay. But it's a, yeah, there's a lot that goes on in that, especially that two week window you mentioned of, of just big pushes of paper and stuff and, and, the, it's real now, right? Because if it's on documents and you're talking through LOIs, it's not nearly as, um, I'd say, it's very theoretical then. But then when yeah. it starts being like sign, you know, then it's a lot less theoretical. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're two and a half years in and you still have that look on your face like, what did I do? Why am I here? No. Um, and you did this in COVID. I you did. like you right. literally bought practice in the midst of COVID. and. Yeah. That isn't that. So then you take the normal stressful process and you add a layer of like, we have no idea how this is going to pan out Yeah, based right. on um, the world could implode or not. And I'll tell you, everything worked out as well as anyone could have asked for. So I feel very fortunate for that. And it felt like this was the place I was supposed to be. It still feels that way to me. And it's it's been awesome. So really great. changed my life. So then you, know, you get through the deal, right? So we, you go and you, know, you buy a practice. What's, what's kind of going through your head as a new business owner of the things that you are like, let's say top two or three pain points that you're like, wow, I didn't expect that. It's taking a lot more time than I thought. And then how did like, I'll, I'll be self-serving. Like, well, what, what did that mean? Like, how did we help you through that? What were the things that you could kind of rely on that you didn't think maybe from what your expectation of a, a financial advisor or CPA would like do with for you? What was that kind of how walk us through a little bit like how that was a little different and how you could leverage folks like us to help you as a business owner? Well, for me, it was those early first three or four months was managing cash flow, right? Like how did how me figuring out how to allocate certain money a and make sure you could make payroll. How do I figure out how much I can even pay myself in those early days where you're trying to build your bank a little bit? Um, and actually, it was your advice to get, I'm blanking on the term, additional working capital, excuse me, to have, you know, in case we ended up needing to tap that, depending on how the first few months were flowing from a cash cash wise perspective. And there were some things in the office that either needed to be upgraded or I wanted to upgrade. And it was kind of figuring out, well, when's a good time to do that? As although I had some historical numbers of some of our stronger months and maybe some of our weaker months historically, whether we were still going to follow that path, really just allocating where some of this money could go early on so that A, it was maximized um, and B, it wasn't spending on things maybe we shouldn't have been spending on Mm -hmm. to make sure that we could stay open, which as silly as it sounds, but it was a reality in the beginning. Well, and and you you coined the term that we still use, September, um, and there's like bad months. There's cycles that usually repeat themselves, but not always. And you hadn't lived through one. It's, it's like when you buy a house, it can look great, feels great until you live there. And then you start noticing at 2 a.m. every day, a train rolls by, but you weren't there at 2 a.m. You were there at, you know, 630 in the afternoon. It's like, that's the kind of being in the practice really opens up the what's important, what's not, what can I live with, what can has to happen better or sooner. And that's, that's just all experiential. No, a hundred percent. And even still we're we're getting into some of these systems. And I wish I could take full credit for September. I did borrow that from other people in the dental industry because it is just historically one of the worst months in dentistry. One that a term that always sort of stuck out. So I'm glad you guys enjoy it too. Oh, <laughs> uh, we do. I I is uh same thing. It's stolen from you who stole it from somebody and now someone stole it from me, I'm sure, and it'll just continue its way through uh, the recycled life of humor. recycled humor. Yeah. 
So what else, what else is kind of on your mind now? Let's see, you're a couple of years in now. What's kind of the ongoing thoughts and things that you're, as a business owner, trying to improve upon to make this really serve you best? Well, so for my office in particular, the retiring dentist that I bought my office from actually ended up working, we ended up working together for a few years. So he actually just left our office, retired fully about four months ago. So we're still sort of navigating the waters of what this office looks like without him here. He was Mm -hmm. a fixture in this community for about 40 years, beloved by many people, all of our patients here. So, you know, for me, they're really big shoes to fill. Um, and what this office looks like without him here, I'm still trying to figure out. And although I've had a wonderful opportunity to treat um, and help the majority of the patients in this office, there's still some people that I haven't even met that have been coming to this office since I've been here, you know, for two and a half years, which is a, a wild concept to me. So we're still figuring out what life without him looks like here. And then the other parts was just how can we continue to grow and, you know, where do we see this place? kind of headed. Physical location, where we are, has some limitations. It's a smaller facility, whether it makes more sense to move to a larger facility and what's involved with that and whether that's off-putting for, for our patient base, depending on how far away we end up moving mm-hmm. and what that looks like from a cash flow perspective. You know, A lot of what I liked about this office that I purchased was the overhead was very controlled. And part of that was it's a smaller location with what I'll say very reasonable rent. You know, as you make larger changes and you adjust the overhead significantly, it changes the dynamics of the business and the dynamics of the financials and, you know, maybe makes less sense. Um, so figuring out some of those things are, you know, certainly on the docket, things that keep me up at night um, because it's just, these are tough decisions to make. And as the only, you know, the sole business owner, they all kind of fall on me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to be able to pick up the phone and call my good buddy, Jason and say, <laughs> Hey, you know, this is where we've been, you know, does this maybe make sense? Or am I just looking for headaches, um, when something that works is working? Um, and you know, these are real conversations that if we haven't had yet, we will be having because, you know, it, it's a reality in my world. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's it, businesses are like people, right? They they change and, and things go in cycles and you'll be like, oh, this is great. But I don't know anyone really who runs a successful business that has it has stayed static for 10 years. Like somehow 10 years ago, they figure out the formula and they never tweaked it and just always made, I would say, inflation adjusted profits. But like the profit has been consistent and kept up with everything. I've never met someone who's done that. It usually means like staffing has changed and it's outside their control and they have to change people and that changes the dynamic or they expand and hire more people. They hire in like a dentistry, they hire associates. Well, that changes the whole math of everything. Uh, Buying your own office, kind of a reinvestment in yourself ultimately, but it doesn't come free. You have to pay to move and you got to do all this other stuff. And then you got dynamics now with patients and employees. What I appreciate about you, Jeff, is that you've always, you're fully aware of the realities of today, but you also do have an eye on the future is not going to look the same as it does today. It's going to change and you're going to have people come and go, the the former owner of the practice, and then that changes the dynamic. You got to pause a little bit and see how that plays out rather than just like going blowing, which we got I know plenty of business owners who kind of, shoot off the hip all the time and they can work it. It works out really good or it doesn't. No, it works out okay. Uh, but there's winners or losers in that. And I think in your case, you're 
having to say, okay, time to reassess. The next change happens. What do we do now? Like, how does that play out to this? Does it allow for a better, maybe this change here happens in six months now we can think about the other one and actually position it's better for that than we thought it would. So just a lot, a lot happening as a business owner. Yeah. And things are just, you know, and it's to your point, it's just constantly trying to keep up with where these shifts are happening. You try to predict them as best you can. I mean, you know, you, you look at, you know, where maybe the economy is currently and where the economy is heading. And, you know, dentistry for a lot of people, you know, is seen as a luxury item. Um, and whether or not people want to continue with that as the economy slows down a little bit outside of basic needs, you know, toothache, that type of stuff. Some people are willing to put off dental care in, in the short term, depending on what's happening financially. So those things, you know, economically are kind of in the back of our head, my head too, to try to position ourselves that, hey, if things do slow down, what does that look like for our office? And, you know, what are some things we can do to help mitigate or at least plan for it, is you never really know. And then you, you have colleagues who are practice owners who have gone through the same transition. Is this Are these feelings shared with them, like the same kind of things you're thinking about? Is this one of those things that, in your experience, people are kind of talking amongst each other, and, but they're similar kind of like, we're all figuring it out, as it were? Yeah. Dentists tend to have a little bit of a doom and gloom um, mentality across the board. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just our training or our thought process, but, you know, I'm in a lot of social media groups, all kind of, you know, around dentistry. And there's a lot of maybe negative mindsets with where things are headed. And these are people, seasoned vets that are, you know, 30, 40 years out of school. They've been through these cycles and, you know, every 10 years, you're, you, it feels like you get hit with something like this. And on the earlier side of this, you know, I haven't been through that cycle yet. I don't know what that looks and weathering the storm, the storm, so to speak, um, and what that takes. Um, from a financial planning perspective to say, hey, when times are good, they're great, right? But when things slow down a little bit, how the business adapts, things I need to take on to help mitigate um, just some of the craziness so that, you know, everything kind of stays status quo um, for everybody. And that's myself, my team, you know, just can't do it without them, that's for sure. There's a story of, uh, you know, saving for seven years for seven years of famine kind of thing. And it's there. there's going to be times in any business that there's going to be a, a cycle of plenty and cycles of of not so much. And I think the biggest thing I can always encourage people is that the times where it's tight and, and a lot of times it's it's I, I put tight in finger quotations. It's not bad. It's just not as lucrative as it was. And everyone can still pay their bills. The staff gets paid. You can still pay your bills. You're just not adding to the pool as, at the same clip. But those are much easier if you can manage those good times when you're not going and just blowing cash like it's going out of style. If you can manage your lifestyle and keep it in contain, you don't let get too into debt and like, oh, up your house, up your car, up this. That usually makes it a lot easier proposition because then you can say, oh, yeah, we can do this. It's fine. You get a lot more flexibility and you can pivot as needed more say than, you know, I am screwed now. I have to really worry about this because I've got this big payment for this and I, I, I bought too much equipment. I did too many redos of my ops and everything and it and you're kind of in the situation you're in you have to really weather it usually with debt which is not usually people's preferred way of doing it yeah and you know and that's why you know for me having these conversations where obviously we're still in an okay state in our economy and you know we're not there yet i'm not seeing that with my practice numbers yet but just always kind of in the back of my head and i want to make sure that we're prepared as best we can you know should should we need to 
end up going down that road. Any like last thoughts about kind of being leveraging professional advice in being a business owner you want to share with our audience before we wrap up for the day? For me, it was, I had to, right? Like I knew my level of what I'll call education in that realm. Just, that's just not what I do. I, I cut teeth, right? I fix teeth. That's, <laughs> that, that's what I do. You know, people come to me because they can't fix their own teeth at home the same way that I came to you. I This is just not my area of expertise. My business acumen, my level of education there is minimal. Um, and there's a lot of resources. And I absolutely checked out a ton of resources online, videos and podcasts and all these things. But to be able to pick up the phone or fire over an email and get direct questions answered from one person or a team of people who were intimately familiar with the business I was looking at, financials, and to be able to really comb through very specific questions that I had. And that's the value. Um, And it's just, it's not what I do, but I was important that I found someone, A, I could trust, B, who was honest, and just knew ins and outs of this industry. And I've been around dentistry for a long time. My father's a dentist. I grew up in a dental office. And even with all that, I still knew that I needed to seek very professional advice to really comb through what the health of this business was. That's not something that I could say, hey, this looked great. I could say clinically, this looked great. I could look at the equipment and say, wow, this looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the underlying, you know, the business, you know, I needed to rely on you guys. Um, and you came through, I'll tell you that. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. And it's, um, and it's, it's always fun to work with people through that because it really are, it, it feels like from our perspective as we're having impact in a very big transaction in people's lives and help them get set up well. I think that if the better you can get set up, the longer term stuff works out much stronger. You get better outcomes. You kind of feel like you're in control of things rather than all of it happening to you. So you kind of have that victim like, oh, I'm so stressed from everything. It's all bad. But yeah, not a little less doom and gloom, I think. So yeah, no, it's well, uh, helped to reduce a lot of stress because I can just ultimately ask you guys as opposed to going, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Right. Um, you know, for me, I can't do a lot of thinking I want to do, you know, I want to be able to say this was right. This is the right move. Mm-hmm. This business is healthy. It's successful. Um, and ultimately it's what I got. So it's, uh, well, it's all good. helps you sleep at night, uh, except for when you get interrupted with a one-year-old crying and then you gotta get up anyway, but you know, yeah. at least you're not thinking about this. You're just worried about getting right. the baby back to sleep. Exactly. So. Which can be much harder. And you, you haven't <laughs> been myself with, by the way. I, I can tell you where to go look, but I, I will not help you with your baby sleeping. Um, yeah. Well, Dr. Brenner, I very much appreciate your time today and being on this uh, our podcast. And uh, Wendy, would you take us out, please? Well, can you tell people how to get in touch with you, Jason, if they have more uh, questions? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, you can go to cookwealth.com. And if you want to see more episodes of our podcast, go to cookwealth.com slash podcast. You can also call our office, 919-784-9100. And thank you both for joining us today. And thank you for listening Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC, is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.